Good evening, everyone. Let's get started. Good evening, everybody. <laughs> starting with the voices. <laughs> Good evening, Jen. <laughs> hey, Noam, and this is normally the part where I'd ask you, how's it going? But we can skip that tonight. Yes, <laughs> yes. Things are very spooky tonight. We're going to... <laughs> We're all crossed out. <laughs> like, no one does these things. And he doesn't tell me he's going to do that. Uh, no, I did not tell Jenna that I was going to do this. I, did, I absolutely... That's, but that's, 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 the, that's where the fun comes from, right? <laughs> and the, like, you wouldn't have... I said, I, to me, a successful... Because, you know, I, uh, when we do uh, Ambitious Crossover Attempt, I always introduce Jen with some other kind of comical whatever i always have some kind of one-liner and yeah if she laugh if i get a good laugh out of jen i'm like this is gonna be a good pod like that's it's like punk satani phil you know <laughs> if jen laughs at the first if jen laughs at the first thing we're gonna have a good 45 of uh of comedy <laughs> see now now one day i'm just gonna like completely fuck with you and just stay stone faced to the whole thing and just completely mess you up that's hilarious or i could just edit out your laugh <laughs> just so it sounds like and put in like crickets <laughs> right after the. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, welcome to uh, welcome to uh, the first call in we've done in a few weeks uh, because of my uh, Israel trip. Uh, as we said on Ambitious Crossover, um, I thought maybe we were going to be able to do a call in last week, but uh, but in real time that uh, uh, proved to be uh, unrealistic. Yeah, I was uh, like, I, I'm, I'm gonna let him have that. Like, okay, if he thinks that he wants to do a call in the day after he gets back from an international trip, okay, all right. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, it, 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 it was not, it was not to be. Uh, but here we are, uh, and uh, it's October, so we're gonna do the thing that everybody does in October, <laughs> which is talk about spooky October horror things. Um, but you're not gonna lattes, though. I would just like to clarify that. Yes. And, uh, instead of, uh, so, so initially, like we were gonna, we were, we were trying to figure out like what to talk about specifically a horror movie. Jen has seen a whole bunch of horror movies that I haven't. And so that was not uh, practical. Yeah. We're definitely going to watch a horror movie like for next week. I think, uh, what is it? What is it? Watcher that we're going to watch. We're going to watch the watcher who watches the watcher. We can do that. Or something, or I might drag myself out to see a barbarian. Um, there, there are several, several options to choose from right now, which is kind of the point and main theme of this show is basically just talking about the horror genre in general and how if you wanted to go see a horror movie right now, even in the movie theater, you have several options to choose from, not just because it's October, but because basically the nerds won <laughs> um it's the, it's yeah it's a research you know it's somewhat of a resurgence obviously there's like a big popular wave of this in like the 70s and stuff mm -hmm. but uh but yeah it is uh it is uh it is somewhat of a more sort of ubiquitous phenomenon in both like mainstream kind of studio stuff but also like the indie space all of the streaming services it's not, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, there's a, there's a whole streaming service called Shudder that is just for horror stuff. They buy, like, big-time shit from, like, uh, f from foreign markets. They produce things. It's, uh, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, and clearly, also, obviously, Netflix and Hulu and Amazon Prime buy properties. They develop their own properties now. And so it's kind of this interesting sort of period and you mentioned the 70s this also happened in the 90s back when back when i was a teenager and we went and saw movies in the movie theater because you couldn't see them anywhere else <laughs> we did have that kind of wave of more like pop horror sort of stuff like 
you know, Scream became popular. Yes. And that kind of I stuff. remember when we went to see I, I Know What You Did Last Summer. That Jennifer Love Hewitt sure had a, a pair of gams on her. <laughs> Back in the old days when Freddie Prince Jr. was a big deal. Back then you had to buy the tickets at this thing called a box office. Yeah. And they gave you paper tickets and you handed them to this other person who yes. ripped them in half. Yes, I tied an onion to my belt and I went to see <laughs> True Lies in the theater <laughs> in 1993 or whatever it is. Um, but like, okay, so you 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 opened this uh, you opened this uh, the door to this topic. So let's. I'll ask you, like, what is your, uh, what is your, like, history with horror? Uh, before we answer, I'm just going to say to Super 7X, uh, I'm, we're going to get to anime horror in a second. Because, but, 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 yeah, like, keep, keep yeah, put, a, put a pin in that. So yeah. what is your, like, what is your, what is your experience with horror, like, growing up? I mean, I've seen most of all the popular stuff, as one does when, one is a teenager, especially in the 90s. Like I said, we kind of had that horror renaissance again where we had a lot of new stuff coming out, a lot of very sort of for-the-time innovative things in horror happening. And so then, of course, that also leads to a renaissance of, like, looking at the older stuff and realizing, like, going back and seeing, like, kind of, like, the source material and what this borrows from and what that borrows from. And I think we're kind of getting back there again. Um, I'm, I'm not going to mention the movie that if you don't see it you are a homophobe but oh yes but in in the service of making this argument so the number one movie that week that beat out bros was smile which is a horror film and right now i mean even like barbarian when they first released it um they've added additional screens to that because it was popular and when i went and saw it it was actually a fairly good crowd in the movie theater. And so what really puts butts in seats in the movie theater now is horror and obviously like MCU stuff. And I think the reason for that is specifically when you're talking about horror, there is an element to watching horror where it is just simply more fun to watch it in a group of people, even if that group of people happens to be strangers. So there's an intrinsic reason to go see a horror movie in a theater that doesn't really exist for rom-coms or period dramas or even comedies. Because somebody pointed out there was actually a comedy film that came out recently starring John Hamm, Confess Fletch. Nobody knows it came out because nobody does promo for comedies anymore because that's not really where the market's at anymore. And it's funny to think about that also being a child of the 90s and 2000s and that basically being like... The, the comedies and the rom-coms being the things that were really the big box office draws. Yeah. And now, who goes and sees that in the movie theater? The new, the new Richard Gere and Julia Roberts movie is like the biggest box office hit of the year. It's like, where in the fuck has that happened recently, right? Right. And, uh, and when, so, and so when I was a kid, so here's the thing, like, again, I was just in Israel, right? Which is where I grew up. And uh, I, uh, my relationship with horror started with one of like uh, total fear and morbid fascination where I would go to the video store near my house to go get a video and I would go to the horror aisle just to kind of look at the covers and get freaked out by the covers. But I was like so fascinated and coming to the States was even worse because we would go to like Blockbuster or Hollywood video, which were, you know, five times bigger than my local video store in Israel and had all these weird things I had never heard of before and had like terrifying covers. Like I remember like vividly the cover for Fright Night for the VHS tape for Fright Night. Somebody bring that up. I know, I know JD or somebody's going to like bring that up and put it in chat, but like, uh, where it's like a house and above the house in the clouds is like this kind of demonic smiling face. And that fucking cover haunted my dreams for my entire childhood. I'm like, what is this movie? I I must know, but I can't, I, I dare not ever rent it. <laughs> um, and so, and so at some point I did kind of get into them, but like, I, yeah, for my entire childhood. And like you said, like part of it was, that it was this hidden world. They weren't in the the. I never heard of these movies. 
I, you know, and they all seem super fucked up. Uh, I think there's a movie called The Nest that I remember another one. It's like an obscure movie. It's probably a B. I've never seen it, but it's probably like a shitty B movie. But again, it had the cover of it was like so freaky and I re- that I remember that it was called The Nest. And I was like, where did these movies even come from? And then and now like it's all like a big thing. It's like a big industry. And like you said, like uh, the movie Smile, which was the movie that beat out uh, Bros, had like a lot of interesting promotional campaigns. They hired a bunch of people to sit in the front row of like baseball games with their like freaky smiles uh, to promote the movie. That's fucking, but that's kind of cool. That's kind of old school. I like it. Um, they had a, what movie was it recently where they, they had people in the theater, like actors in the theater to like freak people out, which is like a classic seventies thing. Uh, it might've been smile as well. Um, which again is really cool. Thank you, JD, for the, (laughs) for the links for everything. Uh, yeah, it is called the nest, right? Does, is the cover for the nest freaky? I need to like, cause I'm just saying this from memory. I was say, would you consider it freaky now versus young Noam wondering, which I, I actually completely forgot about Hollywood video until you just brought it up. Oh, really? Oh, no. There's so oh it's funny because uh, it's funny because I say often that I, uh, I I live now not far from uh, from where my cousins uh, lived when we were growing up. And uh, there was a Hollywood video there that we would go to like walk to. And I drive by that intersection all the time. Now it's not a, it's like a CVS now or something like that. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it's, yeah, it's really weird to like, I've kind of come full circle. I'm, you know, it's funny. I'm looking at, I'm looking at uh, various VHS covers for the movie, the nest and none of them look like the one that I remember, but the, the most, it might've been this, the most common one, which is like a giant bug, like eating a woman kind of, um, and it, it, I mean, it looks like the the practical effects from it look fucking gross. Like this is pretty cool. I need to go watch this movie now. <laughs> that kind of reminds me of like the cover art for The Fly. That was actually kind of like kind of gross and weird. And obviously, I mean Cronenberg, so yes. gross and weird kind of is just part of the course. Yeah, and and I I do remember another. I do remember another. Yeah, here's the cover for Fright Night. That's so again so scary even now. With that like laughing vampire face. What a great, I don't know if this is like a Drew Struzan. It might be like a Drew Struzan illustration. It's brilliant. Like it's such a great cover for like a movie. Like in the, in the, in the tradition of, uh, of that era. Um, but I remember I, there was a, a sleepover party. My friend had a sleepover party for his birthday. And uh, we watched two horror movies. One of which was uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 3 dream warriors and the other was pet cemetery two not even pet cemetery <laughs> but pet cemetery two and uh i did not have a good time at all with both those movies we were young i can't remember how young it was probably grade school fourth grade maybe did not have a good time with that but eventually like my friends and i started watching we like i think it started around the time of like the ring or something like that 2006 2007 mm-hmm where I kind of actually got into horror movies uh, and watched a whole bunch of like kind of obscure ones that then became big, like The Descent, which is a movie that people love now. I remember watching it with like, I found it randomly at the video store and it was a guy who made a different movie that I like called Dog Soldiers. And I was like, ooh, this is an interesting movie about caves. And it's fucking, it's one of the best <laughs> horror movies of like the last 20 years. A movie about caves. Little did you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's the that's sort of the the beauty of it. But like, that's let's not say any more about that. But like, yeah, go watch the Descent by uh, Neil Marshall. It's it's on my thread, my October thread of uh, of movies that I did a couple of years ago, where I tweeted thirty one recommendations in October for October, like horror movies, and I picked specifically picked ones that were like not The Exorcist, The Thing, which you haven't watched yet. Yeah. Shame on you. But like, yeah, The Shining, whatever. I was like, everybody puts those out. Like, here, I want to, I want to give you like thirty-one that you maybe you don't know. That's much, much better. See, now I feel so nostalgic for like Blockbuster because that was always so much fun. Just going and like wandering around and like looking at the covers and trying to figure out like, ooh, what's the scariest one we can get? And that's that's kind of another aspect of horror that makes it so popular. It's like there's always kind of like that cool kid effect, like. 
ooh, you know the cool horror movies and you watch the horror movies. And I remember when, like, the coolest thing that you could ever possibly do was make it all the way through Cannibal Holocaust. Oh, sure. <laughs> I see, I was I was way more in, like, vanilla territory than you. Like, I remember, I remember the flex of having watched Beetlejuice. <laughs> like all the way through i like i mean i that this a few of the scenes from that like really hit me hard but uh i don't know like one of it's funny because like one of my biggest like uh formative horror experiences was Ter- terminator 2 my dad took me to see terminator 2 in the theater and i was like mm-hmm. nine, nine just based on when it came out i was nine i think and i do know that he i do remember that he uh, put his hand over my eyes in certain scenes like the, <laughs> i know which ones too the scene where the Security guard gets uh gets like uh gets uh a needle through the eye from him like his like doppelganger Schling. the Sarah Connor burning to death in her like nightmare. Uh there might have been one more that he like put up. I still couldn't sleep that night. Like it was still awful. Like it, it was like I remember thinking it was like that was the most amazing and horrible thing I've ever seen. You know what I mean? It was like this is amazing, but also I'm never gonna be able to sleep ever again. <laughs> My nine-year-old self was like, I, this is, can I be an adult? Can I get to the point where this doesn't scare me and I can only enjoy it? Yeah. That's so funny to think about that too now, because I don't even know if this is even a thing for young kids anymore, but like going and watching a horror film was always kind of like the, the rite of passage. Like, look at me, I'm so grown up. I can watch a horror film and I don't flinch. And it's like, there's like, again, yeah, there's like the whole cool kid aspect of it. Like, yeah, I watched that movie, it's no big deal. And the whole time you were like ready to hide under your seat, but nobody knows that because they weren't there with you. Yeah, so. yeah. Like, uh, like uh, I remember, again, from, from my youth more, uh, Scream 2 I saw in the theater. I didn't see Scream, but I saw Scream 2. Uh... Event Horizon was a movie I saw in the theater, which was very cool. I also saw, like, Alien 4 in the theater, I remember. I ditched school to go watch Alien Resurrection. (laughs) Uh, But, like, uh, more recently, uh, two friends of mine and me went to see Hereditary in the theater when it came out. Before all of the hype. Like, we were were part of the hype wave for Hereditary. I mean, I had heard good things about it in, like, the indie scene because it's an A24 movie and I like all that shit. But we went to see Hereditary, and it was one of the best theater experiences of my life because the 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 entire audience went through like an emotional experience together, and there was like a there were three people behind us who were like tittering and giggling at like the the more indie things that are kind of weird all in the beginning, but by the end they were so freaked out like the movie totally won them over. And it was just great. It was just so delightful. And this is why horror does so well in theaters. Like I said, there is that like that that shared aspect of it of like watching the movie with people and having that whole experience. And it's like, uh, and obviously we all know people who are like, I would never watch a horror movie by myself. And like nobody ever says, I would never watch a World War II movie by myself. Like <laughs> it, it, it is like that shared human aspect of wanting to be scared in a way like you know you're safe like you know none of this is real it's just a movie you're in the movie theater nothing bad's gonna happen to you but you get to go through that whole catharsis of like fear and revulsion and oh my god did you see that there was so much blood oh my god that was so gross and creepy and it's like that's why it's still such an enduring sort of genre but it's also a genre that like if i wanted to make a movie right now i would not make a horror film just because i have no idea where i could possibly go with this that like nobody's done before because it's so 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 vast now like we've got everything from like straight up body horror to psychological horror to situational horror i mean you've got it in live action you've got it in animation We've got it from all across the world now, like Korean horror is becoming very huge now. Yes. That's, and so it's like, it, it's it's so broad. There's so much stuff well, to choose from. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think it all comes down now. We've, we've started to get into the point where like execution, like, because there is this, like, you reach this sort of plateau of like creativity where it's not impossible to make things that are like totally novel, totally uh, fresh, right? But 
A lot of it isn't, but it often doesn't matter if it's cre- if it's made creatively enough. You don't have to reinvent the wheel with horror. You just have to be because like Mike Flan because take like the Haunting of Hill House, the show, the Haunting of Hill House, Mike Flanagan's show. There's nothing innovative about it in terms of story. It's a story about a haunted house. It's a story about a family of adu- like adult kids who as kids grew up in a haunted house and their parents go went crazy, whatever, blah, blah, blah. That's it. That happens in Oculus, which is also a Mike Flanagan movie. But it's like, that's not, I mean, it's, it's, it's based on a Shirley Jackson novel of the same concept. But like, there's lots of Stephen King shit like that, like that as well. Like Black House, which is a, a sequel to The Talisman is about a kid who had a haunted experience. Dr. Sleep, which is the sequel to The Shining is about Danny as an adult who he grew up in a, essentially a haunted and grow up, but you know, like the overlook yeah. was a haunted house. It's not a novel concept. It's just so well done. And the character drama is so good. And it's technically executed so well that it just doesn't need to, uh, in that same sense, Shiki, there's a horror anime show called Shiki. It's like a 24 episode show. And it is one of the most like soul crushing things I've ever watched. Right. It's fantastic and it is just about vampires right you've seen a million shows about vampires and the if i if i give you the elevator pitch for it you'll be like okay fucking what blah right and the premise is there's a japanese village it's like a village in the middle of nowhere small village with like a bunch of old people and you know a few kids who like dream of leaving the village and whatever and all of a sudden some family moves in there and they build like a European style castle, like in the middle of the village, like a like a Transylvanian style castle. And it's a family of vampires. And surprise, surprise, the daughter is actually like the head vampire, you know, shocking. Right. Again, a thing that you've seen a million times before where it turns out the kid vampire only looks like a kid. But actually, they've been around for a long time. Interview with the vampire did that. Where after a while, uh, Kirsten Dunst, you know, she looks like a girl forever. She's not a girl forever. Anyway, but it's very lame sounding premise. And that show is fucking a masterpiece because of where it goes and how it goes and what it explores in terms of character and the the it flips a lot of things on its head it makes you sympathetic to, towards a lot of the vampires it does something smarter than man is the real monster you know which is again a, a fair twist on that story but it it does that and but not exactly like it's it's even better than just doing that uh i can't recommend it enough um it, the character designs look all nuts and anime and you're like, what is this? This is so weird. But eventually it becomes clear that like the reason everybody looks weird with like crazy hair and stuff is because there's like 50 characters and you got to remember who everyone is just by looking at them. And like because all the faces in anime like take away the hair kind of look the same. They need to have like one has like big spiky blue hair and one has like crazy pink hair and whatever. But that's – it's they all get – they all bleed red. <laughs> If you know what I mean. <laughs> That's the moral of the story. Yes, their internal their internal organs are all the same color. <laughs> We're all the same. But yeah, this is kind of an area where I'm trying to kind of adjust my expectations on horror that comes out now. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh no, you were doing a doing a thing. I didn't know if you wanted me to stop talking. Oh no. Anyway. No. Oh, okay. Anywho, but yeah, like kind of coming of age in the 90s and 2000s where we did have a lot of really like innovative, new, fresh ideas and horror. Like now a lot of the horror that's coming out is not anything that you haven't seen before. But like you said, it comes down to the execution and how it's presented. And so there's a lot of stuff like this, like I don't want to get too far into Barbarian because you haven't seen it, but this kind yes. of falls into that sort of thing where it's like, okay, this isn't anything that I haven't seen in a horror movie before, but it's presented in a way that is very different and they, they kind of really go for it. And same way with X, which again, I've seen and you haven't. 
again, it's it's a it's a take on like a '70s slasher film, right? But the premise is something that you don't normally see in horror movies, at least not explicitly in the way that it is in X. I mean, obviously, we can have a whole conversation about the role that sex plays in horror films and how we always have the trope that only the virgins are going to make it out alive and everybody yeah. that has sex is going to die. Well, the cabin in the woods has a really good, uh, a really good take yeah. on that whole thing where, yeah, where it's all like part of a, I mean, that's, you should go, if you haven't seen the cabin yeah. in the woods, don't I look, I was about yeah. to stop you from ruining that movie. Yeah. Don't look it up. Just go watch it. It's so, and I saw that in the theater and that is also one of the best experiences I had because I also saw it with a theater full of people that didn't know what it was. And, uh, the moment that the, the moment that the logo, comes up on screen, the splash screen, which is the cabin in the woods. Yeah. It's like, I don't know, one minute into the movie, I turned to my friend and I said, I'm going to love this movie. Just be, just from that cold open, I was like, I'm going to love this. And I did. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Even though the, it's it's so good. It's so good. Yeah, that, that movie had one of the most genuinely surprising plot twists I think I've ever seen in a horror and if, film. And if you watch it multiple times, like so much of the things that happen later, like are become funny when you watch it again. Absolutely. Yeah. It's absolutely great. Um, and, uh, but again, there are, I still see like, for example, here's a, here's a, here's a horror movie recommendation. That's probably not, it's not in my, uh, it's not in my October thread because I watched it after that. Uh, the empty man sounds like a dumb movie. Right? Sounds like the Bye Bye Man or whatever. And if you see the poster or whatever, and it's like two and a half hours long. Oh my God. And I sat down to watch it because I heard some buzz about it. And about 15 or 20 minutes in, I was like, this, this, I, I'm not gonna, this, what is this? Like, this is so cliche. What the fuck's going on? And 35 minutes in, I was like, what the fuck? Where's going? And I had no idea. And it's very original. It's kind of a mess. It's very long. And it does, you know, it's like, uh, it's kitchen, it's everything in the kitchen sink, kind of. Uh, um, I, I once, rec again, a, a random anime recommendation, if anybody there likes those, that I throw them out. Uh, Concrete Revolutio. Without the end at the end, Concrete Revolutio, which is a, a show like that. It's a show that has like magical girls, robots, time travelers, witches, uh, and uh, stuff like that. Like all in the same, and like superheroes, like all in the same thing. And so, yeah, The Empty Man is like almost like a horror version of that. And it goes through like three or four different like life cycles where you're like, is this the same movie? What's going on here? This is crazy. And like, and that's fun. Because you never, that never happens, right? You never, it's like an experience like I never had before. And so I was like, and yeah, like none of those things that happen in it are like a totally original thing. But the fact that it kind of like weaves through all of them is very original. Yeah, and you kind of touched on something that is also a massive, massive part of like the horror movie genre and experiences, which that like the way most of us pick our horror films it's the word of mouth from other horror fans. Like, you can do, like, you, you could spend millions of dollars on advertising for a horror film. It's ultimately going to come down to, did other horror fans like it? Did they recommend it? And again, that, that's another kind of unique thing about the genre, whereas, like, other movies, like, obviously, the MCU kind of stands on its own. You have, like, war movies or historical dramas or back in the day you comedies or rom-coms and you can do like these massive like advertising budgets and that would get people to like go to the movie but with horror it really does come down to is your shit good did other fans like it did you like go tell your friends about it it's kind of like a unique aspect of the genre yeah yeah you're right there are i think there are very few uh movies like horror movies that uh survive on like uh sort of brand recognition alone they keep trying to do that they're making another halloween and they're making another T texas chainsaw massacre and ultimately what matters is that what matters is like did the people who went to watch it did they come out of the theater being like yeah you gotta see this this is fucking cool and that's how i felt with hereditary and I remember going to a bar right after Hereditary. It was actually, should I say this? Ah, screw it. It was the, it was, I, when I left and I went to a bar, it was the after wedding party of 
It was Elizabeth Nolan Brown's after oh, wedding party. Yes. Her and Swin's after yes. wedding party. That's where I met Swin for the first time. And we're still kind of friends. Anyway, uh, that, like, the three of us walked in, like, me and my, my two friends and I, and, like, all we did was, like, you you need to, you got to hear what, yeah. we, what just happened. What just happened to us, you know? It wasn't, like, even, it wasn't, like, even, oh, here's a movie recommendation. It was, like, you're not going to believe what happened to us. <laughs> we just had an experience. And that's, yeah. Like, you don't, I mean, one, like, there's one superhero movie that I can think of that had that kind of buzz to it. And that's uh, no way home, but it was, that's because of like, that was, that was its kind of nature. It was a hype movie. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, and also what happened in the movie. I mean, is it, do we even do spoilers for this anymore? I mean, it's been out for over six months. Oh no, no, it's fine. That's it. No, 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 it's, it's, that's, come on. That's Yeah. all of the Spider-Mans. And so yes. it was obviously special. Like- yeah. There was special, dis- I gave special dispensation for that. And by the way, also, I remember that movie even had like two tiers of spoilers. Cause it was like, okay, so we can discuss the fact that all of the Spider-Men are there, but like, we can't still can't discuss plot spoilers. Right. Cause you know, yeah. like who dies? Does anybody die? No. But so like, cause even the reveal of who was in it was a spoiler. But at some point you were like, okay, we can discuss who's in it, but not what happens in it. And then later, <laughs> that second tier of spoiler uh, warning was lifted. <laughs> yeah, that was, and yeah, you were right. That's kind of one of those rare movies where it was kind of like, okay, you have to go see it. You have to go see it because they did all the Spider-Mans and it's so cool. And it's like kind of fan service in a way, but in a, a decent way. And uh, we've already reviewed No Way Home, so we don't need to discuss that again, but but yeah, it's it's very much a thing. And I mean, we've done this where it's basically like one of us would be like, okay, I'm going to go see the movie. And you'd be like, okay, tell me if I need to go see the movie. It's like, okay, you you go watch it. And then you tell me because you know what I like if I'm going to like this movie. Yeah, yeah. And that's that- happened a few times where it was like, yeah, that, that, was the, uh, that was the arrangement that Jen and I made. It was like one of us is going to go see it because they, they happen to be free that weekend. Or I don't know, like if I really... If there, if it's someone I li- like, a uh, filmmaker that I liked in particular, I don't know, because like Cronenberg, we both wanted to go see the Cronenberg movie because yeah. we, we both like Cronenberg. But uh, I, I can't remember. There was one where I was like, I'll go see it. And I'll tell you if you should. But um, uh, maybe the Northman. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I think I. No, I just remembered that probably the favorite one of this that we did was Men. Well, I yes. actually saw it first and then I texted oh, you. Oh yes. Oh yes, yes. <laughs> that was uh that was a, a whole a whole ass experience. Uh, yeah, there there's there's backstory to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I still again, I still I mean it's 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 a weird, uncommunicative, weird, uh inaccessible movie, and I still kinda like it. <laughs> Is it horror? Would you classify it as horror? Yes. Yes, but of the weird variety. Because, like I told you, I saw this movie on the so when I uh, was on the on my flight, I watched this movie called The Humans. It's based on a play. It's apparently a play that won the Pulitzer, and it was like nominated for Tony. It's like a one act play. And after that, when I read that it was a play, I was like, ah, that makes perfect sense because it's filmed all in one small apartment, like over the course of like one Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, uh, and it's made by the guy who did the play. So he also directed the movie. And there's a bunch of actors in it. Amy Schumer's in it. Uh, uh, Steven Yuan is in it. Uh, and a couple other people. Uh, and it's... I, like, I something about the, the description of it, I thought it was going to be a horror movie. And it is, but it also isn't. I said it was like the most horror-adjacent thing I've ever seen that isn't actually a horror movie. Because the horror in it is like the horror of your life sucking or something like that. You know what I mean? Like that's the horror in it is like, is like the type of horror of like my, some, it's, uh, stuff is going wrong in my life and I don't really know what I'm going to do right now. Like I'm kind of in a, in a, in a hole and I'm in a moment where I'm just trying to like not think about it for a few hours, but like it, it keeps creeping back in, you know? And, and it's kind of metaphorical in that sense. And it's filmed so originally. I thought the, I thought the, the cinematography was super interesting. And, and uh, the, the final shot, now that I think about it, is so much like a play. 
Like it's it's really like uh, it's com- it's very compelling, but like literally nothing happens. That's like you need to understand that before you watch it. It's just a bunch of people talking. It's a bunch of family members ribbing each other for like ninety minutes, and then the movie ends, and you're like nothing happened, right? And yet it's so compelling, right? I thought it was, and the dialogue is super naturalistic. It's just very interesting, and I was like very engrossed in it. Uh, and like I said, it's it's horror adjacent. There are like there are lots of moments moments that kind of te- tease you with being horror, but it never quite goes there. Well, maybe we can consider that like a whole genre of like existential horror. And I'm obviously like the the master class in this would be Kafka's Metamorphosis, where basically there's nothing nothing is happening in the story other than the fact that George is now a giant cockroach. And so you know, he has to live his life as a cockroach. But yeah. but the rest of his life is still like the same mundane, horrible bullshit that he was dealing with in human form. And there's obviously the whole reason you could say that's why he turned into a cockroach. People don't actually turn into cockroaches. But it is that kind of like that existential banal horror of just having like a normal boring ass life where nothing happens. And, and, and that's a, a form of horror in and of itself. But yeah, the Denis Villeneuve movie, uh, uh, enemy is a little like that where, uh, it's where Jake Gyllenhaal discovers that there's another person that looks exactly like him. Uh, and like, he becomes kind of obsessed with this kind of doppelganger of his and it's, Again, mostly nothing happens. It's just this weird thing where he just feels like nothing is real all of a sudden because this person exists who like exactly looks exactly like him. Uh, speaking of horror, that's that's not what you're you're like uh, traditionally used to or something like that. Uh, the the guy who plays the father in the humans is also the guy who plays Dahmer's father in the Netflix show Monster, the mm-hmm. Jeffrey Dahmer story, which is. Uh, I would totally classify as horror. Uh, and even though it's very, cause someone said to me, like, I can't handle like gross things. And I was like, I don't, there's almost nothing gross in it at all. Like really, they really avoid because it's, because it's anti-gratuitous. There was a hot take about this. I know JD is going to find that one about how, uh, the person was tired of the glorif of uh, uh, what was it? It was like um, glorification of white serial killers or white killers in general. Yeah, and- humanization or something like that. I can't remember what the name was, what the word was that they used, but like the idea of like, oh, we're supposed to sympathize with this like person, and it was like you really did not watch this show because it went out of its way to not do that to the point where like almost in t- there were entire episodes all where he was almost not in them where they were all about the victims. They were all about the people who knew and like were not listened to, who like tried to alert the authorities and stuff. And it didn't show anything graphic because that is the height of like a sort of being exploitative and being, um, uh, uh, yeah, like, you know, making him this sort of dark, cool, mysterious figure. It was like, no, not at all. In fact, there's a, uh, there's a, uh, who was the clown guy? Gacy, John Wayne Gacy? Spoiler alert, in Dahmer, they actually show there's a dramatization of a John Wayne Gacy murder, right? They actually show it. Like in, in the same way as that, he lures this guy and then he's like drowning him in the bathtub dressed like a clown or whatever. And that's pretty much as far as the show goes into uh, being like exploitative. And it's not about Dahmer. It's specifically a different serial killer in a different time. That's when they show, that's when they were more graphic about it with him. They always avoided it. It was always, it always cuts to, to his neighbor, Glenda or whatever. And you just hear the the drill or the power saw or the screaming, you never really see anything, but it was harder to watch than most horror movies for me. I'm still working my way through it. And I think we could probably save commentary on specifically that show for another time, because I have kind of a, a cross commentary with the movie blonde that's on Netflix now, which is not, not a biopic, not a biopic. Please stop calling it a biopic. But oh, really? Is it is it very dramatized in terms of like her story? 
yes and no. And okay. it's very... We're talking about uh, we're talking about the the uh, biofic. That's good. Uh, about the Marilyn Monroe movie with Ana de Armas, which is notoriously rated X or NC seventeen or whatever. Yeah, whatever. Which I mean, uh, well, fun fact. NC-17 was actually invented in 1990 to replace the X designation because by then MPAA wasn't really rating pornography. So X, double X, triple X kind of fell by the wayside and was adopted by the industry. So they invented NC-17. Anyway, whole story there. But there are a lot of what I feel are horror aspects to Blonde and There's been a lot of commentary about both of these properties that I think kind of center more around people's sensibilities and what they want to see in entertainment as far as not seeing anything that find like makes them personally uncomfortable, even though the thing may be factually accurate. And I think you get that a lot with Dahmer too, because I, I'm on episode five now and there's, there's one murder that they do show, but it's not, I mean, by my standards, it's not over the top. Then again, I'm very desensitized to this, but there is, there was one murder. They showed the murder when he murdered the hitchhiker. Okay. So I'm actually murdering him, but that was, he, he got a uh, barbell to the head. So it's not like we were like slasher film here, but yeah, that, that show goes out of its way to make not only Dahmer, but the whole criminal justice system look really, really, really bad. Oh, yeah, I said it was – and that was another thing that bothered me about that hot take about it being somehow like uh, sort of a humanizing of like the white aspect. Because uh, to me, like uh, the hor- part of the horror of that show was, yeah, it was like <laughs> uh, – Systemic racism was yeah. the real monster, right? You know what I mean? Like the twin I mean, monsters of like Jeffrey Dahmer and systemic racism. Because and I and and really, I went and I looked up because I was like, I need to see if these things are sensationalized or not. It's very important. And nope, some of the most egregious shit in this is not only accurate, but like you know, it's like in court records. There's recorded phone calls. It's literally not. It's not like oh yes, we have two. There's like a lot of this is like literally on the record, right? The cops, you know, joking about needing to get disinfectant after like giving, handing his victim back to him. This story, I'm not even going to repeat it. I mean, like, like if you want, you could go read about the story of the, 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 the Laotian from Laos. He, one of his victims that he killed was a, a child from Laos. And if you go read it, that was the one that like the ran away and the cops brought him back. If you read the specifics of that case, what he did to him and the state that the kid was in when he ran away from him, it's the show doesn't do half of how bad that was. Like as bad as that scene is in the show where it's so like it's so awful that it's again, it's hard to watch because you know how it ends and you know that like none of the pleas and like the logic will make any difference. But then you go and read what actually happened and it's like far worse and they couldn't show the reality of it because they were trying because you couldn't do it without being too graphic and too exploitative like that's how bad it was like imagine not being able to accurately depict these events because you can't do it without being exploitative like that's how horrible it was and yet there's still people that think it goes too far and i'm like no 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 you don't this is this is this is the sanitized version of what happens. And it's hard. You need to you want to be unvarnished. You want to you like you you want to def, be definitive about how terrible he was. And like I said, I think that the idea that this somehow humanizes or excuses him by showing stuff like his childhood and how his father sort of blamed himself because of things that they did as kids and stuff. That's not to me it 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 it, it provided a lot of context but none of it was uh, was like exculpatory in any in any way, um, and again, we don't have to like. I don't think that revealing the uh, like the things that are kind of public knowledge or is a, is yeah, counted I mean, as a spoiler, right? Like, yeah, you know what yeah. To Jeff but like his or... death, yeah, and his death and his death in it. Did um, they show his death? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, I know. Well, so no, so that I mean that one is pretty. That one is one where they go. Uh, 
they go fairly yeah. graphic. They also show again. This is what it, why this is not exactly a spoiler. They also show like the scene where like his father's called to like identify him in the morgue, and they show you ha- like his half of his face is like ruined because I don't know if you know what happens, people, but Jeffrey Dahmer was murdered in prison by another by a black inmate. He murdered him and another guy, some guy who killed his wife and tried to pin it on two black guys. And so they all three of them were like cleaning the gym or whatever. And one of the guards like left them alone for <laughs> quote unquote reasons. And yeah. this guy who was already in in serving life in prison killed both of them with like a with a like a pipe. it wasn't a lead pipe. It was the it was the it was the uh, the the dumbbell like the dumbbell bar you know because in the way in the weights you have like those dumbbell bars where you put the plates on them it's just that bar alone and that shit is heavy it's a big heavy you know steel thing that he just beat these people to death with it was very sort of inglorious death and he deserved no better yeah and so again so if you really think this like glamorizes Dahmer then you didn't really watch it but to kind of bring it back to the the main meta conversation yes. about horror, and, about especially, horror yeah. and especially since we're talking about something that you can watch on Netflix, um, it's it's interesting now that because we have so many streaming services, it's not like the days where we had to go to Blockbuster or Hollywood Video or even even if you were one of the lucky ones to have like a little independent video show or video shop where like they might carry more esoteric off the wall shit. Like we actually still have one like that to this day in Atlanta, which is actually pretty fucking cool. It's called video drone, obviously, but now you have all these options where it's like, you don't even have to really exert yourself to go see a movie that you might've heard something about. Like you could be like, Oh, I heard a good thing about this movie. It's streaming on Netflix. Let me just go ahead and cut it on. Like the, the access, to what we have now and especially with horror itself because like i said everybody buys all these properties they put them on their streaming services there's like just an unprecedented amount of access to various kinds of horror even like indie stuff foreign stuff stuff that you wouldn't normally be exposed to if you had to go like hunt down physical copies of this or if you had to like go try to rip copies of it off the internet now you could just like okay, I can go watch this Korean zombie film on Netflix. And it's, that's really cool. And I, I wonder if there is some utility to that as like a, like a VR application. Like imagine like uh, having like a VR space that's kind of like a video store where you really do have to like go through the yeah. shelves and take something off the shelf and look at it as opposed to just having it all laid out where you see all of the covers and it's all like littered with additional information like it's Rotten Tomato score and here's how many people liked it and they like this and like that too where just being able to go walk over to something and say, oh, this looks interesting. Let me pull that up, look at it closely, turn it over, read what the thing says. I discovered... Like I, my for like the my the development of my taste in movies happened like that. Now I'm not I'm not a luddite. I know that people now have like immensely uh, a bigger resources, and it's not that it's impossible to do what I. In fact, it's easier in ways. And the fact that people don't do it that way doesn't mean that they're somehow more deficient. But just in terms of like being a, now in today's space, like a quote unquote original way to browse content is to like go back right. Um, it, like I'm not, I, I never discuss my, like my job, but like I, you know, I work for, for tablet and their website, part of the design philosophy for that website is it's supposed to act like an old magazine and people mm-hmm. love that. People are like, this is so interesting and original. And it's like, yeah, because it's a, because it's, it's more of a classic magazine browsing experience that's superimposed over something that you're not used to getting that from. If you get it in a paper magazine, it doesn't seem special, but you're not used to getting that from a website. And so it seems like, it seems like innovative. I mean, it is, but, but I'm saying like, it's, it's a thing you already know, but you're, you're, it's almost like your brain doesn't know that you know it already because it's being presented in like a different format. Yeah. I even saw they have like these little like pop-up like blockbusters now, like where you can go get the whole blockbuster experience, <laughs> which, is, which is fun because it is kind of nostalgic and it, it is, it, it is kind of nice. Cause that was always kind of, 
part of the experience. It's like you go to Blockbuster, you go walk around the aisles, you pick your movie, you have an opportunity to get snacks, even though they're overpriced. But yes. and and kids think that they invented things, but before there was Netflix and chill, there was Blockbuster and chill, and, <laughs> and and the opportunity to get snacks is definitely key, people, and you don't get that with Netflix. But, <laughs> but you know, there's also the rose-colored glasses element, because I remember the nostalgia of going to rent vi a video game, right? Like a game for a <laughs> Nintendo. Oh, and it'd be all like, like fucked up. <laughs> well, yeah, th well, that's the thing. Like, you remember it as an amazing experience because you remember the three times out of the 500 you did it where it was amazing. And all other 500 are kind of mushed together into like the other times that it sucked. But yeah. it's like most of the time you bought, you got some. And now, again, my Israeli experience is a little different because uh, because of uh, a broadcast systems, this is going to get really nerdy for like five seconds, but like the broadcast system in Israel is different from it is here. Here it's NTSC in Israel. It's PAL. It's a European thing. Uh, uh, long story short, Nintendo games from here, if you brought them there, didn't work there. You had yeah. to get them from Japan or Europe or whatever. But there was a, an adapter for Famicom games. So they imported lots of Famicom games from Japan and we all had like a little thing that you would like snap the Famicom thing onto and it looked like a Nintendo card and you'd put it in your Nintendo. Yes. But that meant that like 80% of the games that we were rent were Japanese games and sometimes you would rent a game and that would be your game for the weekend and it was all in Japanese and you were like, I don't know how to get past the first screen. Fuck, there goes my weekend. <laughs> and that was most times. Like, and so, yeah, three, four times you like discovered a game that then later in life, it's like a classic and you discovered it at the time, whatever. But like, th that wasn't most of the time. Well, I was even thinking like once like PlayStation and Xbox became like widely known and like you could rent video games, like you would rent them and like somebody would have already scratched the CD. So you put it in the machine and you go to play it and like. You get to a certain point and it's just like all fucked up and you can't get past that yeah. point. Or there's nothing that like you – the thing you want isn't it. Like you want a thing and you're like you're desperate and there's no copies of it. There's no copies of anything you want. <laughs> all of that shit, like we never remember that, right? Like I, it's like uh, it's like arcades. Like I, I think I, – I think back very fondly of like video game arcades. But th that's not – that's rose colored. They were not great. There were a bunch of like bullies there that would like – like bully you because they were older kids and they were kind of like sort of semi criminal elements. And like, cause I remember playing like Tekken and virtue, the original virtual fighter, like in a arcade, but there was like always these people who would like, who were like really sketchy dudes who would come there with like cigarettes in their mouth and like wife beaters and stuff. And like, I would be afraid to like beat them. So they wouldn't beat, <laughs> beat me yeah. in real life. Uh, but like I could never could because all they did was sit there all day and play those fucking games. So they got like, but it was just like a money sink. Like imagine, cause now you just play a video game for eight hours. There I'd go and I would play like eight rounds and like, that would be my allowance for the fucking week. Right. So again, it's all like nostalgia is a funny animal. Uh, and in a, there's a lot of things that we can do now that, uh, we only could have fucking like that our past selves would have been like. Never ever complain about anything. You live in, <laughs> you live right. in ima imagination fantasy land. Like we don't even get physical copies of media anymore. Like even video games. Like when was the last time you got like a CD or a cartridge? I mean, I think for you it was probably Metroid. Yeah, well, yeah, Switch. Yeah, well, like you're, you're right. That Switch games. But I gotta say, it's funny that you say that because like I backed. There's a game that I backed on Kickstarter called Crow Sworn, and I backed it at a physical copy tier and it's like in a nice steel book and stuff. Cause I fucking want to, I want a physical copy of it. And it's probably going to be, I think it comes just like on a memory card. I think that's like, to me, that's the great, that to me is like the medium of the future. That's why Nintendo switch is so cool because it's, it's media is literally, I mean, it's not uh, an SD card. It is just like a switch thing, but it is a memory card. It's a small physical thing. It's not a CD. It's not a delicate. It's like a plat. It feels like an old, feels like an, like a Game Boy cartridge. It reminds me a lot of like the Game Boy Advance cartridges, except it's like half the width. Do you know that they also coated it with something to make it taste disgusting because people were putting it in their mouth? What? Yeah. Cause what? So, well, I, 
No, I, well, so I don't think it's like a Tide Pods thing. I think it's because it's small <laughs> enough to be like a uh, like a choke like choking hazard. Yeah, they coat it with something that makes it like bitter and disgusting, so that like little kids don't swallow it. I think the meme, just the meme, was like people are putting uh, switch switch cartridges in their mouth. But I think it really was more that like it's so small that you you could choke on it and kids and whatever. Oh my god, I just had like a funny image in my head of having to take a kid to the emergency room and be like, what's wrong? My kid ate my Metroid Dread. <laughs> yes, exactly. My dog. Yeah, it's like, you gotta wait for it to poop your, you gotta wait for it to poop your, your Zelda game back out. <laughs> we got way off talking about horror movies. I think uh, we're we're almost done. Uh, I think we're gonna... Uh, slowly wrap up but but just talk a little bit about i think we're gonna like i said we're gonna do more horror talk i think we're gonna watch a horror movie i think my, what we might do is because i have a whole bunch of uh of things like that and i think maybe i could like give jen some homework to work on some of her own i have lots of, like lists of like um foreign uh horror movies that i like from other countries uh all kinds of indie ones we can talk about that we can talk about like uh big horror scares i don't know things of that nature um and yeah we will uh, that'll that'll be us all of this october is um no wakanda forever is not coming out this month i think it's black no. At, i think it's black adam that's coming out this month yeah the wakanda weird... forever is next month mm -hmm. uh, i'm curious about it i guess i guess i don't know Maybe you can finally go see Barbarian so we can talk about it. Yes, I know. I need to. I need to. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe I'll go see it this weekend. We'll see. Um, Black Adam releases October 21st, says JD. Thank you. Oh, oh. here. Why, why Switch games taste bad? I got to thank JD for both doing all of the links here in chat and also uh, calling us to task on our lack of show notes for ambitious crossover attempt. Uh because yeah, it's true. It's true. We are being lazy. I'm gonna call. I'm, I'm gonna call us out on this. That it, it by would us, be by us. He means me. But no, okay. I don't mean. No, I actually don't mean you. Because I mean, I, it's also on me to like. I'm. I'm also like. I bring up stuff on the on the pod or whatever. Uh, um. Uh. Yeah, but because I do think that would be helpful. Like I, I there are like I listen to other podcasts and and I feel like if I had like a list of links. I could just click along. That would be awesome. I wanted to do that once for uh, hardcore history. I wanted to make a YouTube video that just put up like a dumbass. Like it wouldn't even be the audio. It would literally be just a companion, like silent video that you put on, like right as the podcast starts, and it would literally just pop up the picture of the thing he was talking about at any given time. It would be pretty easy to make. It would be like a four-hour-long video, but it would just be like he talks about a person. Bang! You see that person's picture, especially if he describes him, because he's like, "Oh, Joseph Joffrey had a mustache. He had a thing, and he says like picture, picture, if you will, this." And it's like you don't need to. Here, I put the picture up. Picture. Or, yeah, it's like that would be that would be super great companion, and like it wouldn't violate anybody's like uh, intellectual yeah, property. I, I wouldn't have to like actually repost the podcast, but but uh, but yeah, like how neat would that be? And so yeah, like I envision almost something like that for this, where you could just like. Click along to the things that we mentioned, I guess. <laughs> Just follow along in the show notes. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I never think about it because I like literally never look at the show notes for anything. <laughs> okay. So uh I think uh I think on that on that note we're gonna we're gonna kind of bring this uh this first spooky spooky edition of uh of all crossed out. Is this a good, is this a good song? Let me, let me see, hold on. I need to like. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to All Crossed Out. <laughs> Jennifer, please do all of the plugs. No. <laughs> Okay, so obviously you're here. You know where to find us on Colin, all crossed out Wednesday night, 8 Eastern. Obviously, catch us live, catch us afterwards on either the Colin app or on Podcast Catchers. Our main podcast, Ambitious Crossover Attempt, usually comes out on Mondays, except when it doesn't, but it usually does. And you can find that pretty much 
anywhere you find podcasts now. I mean, all the podcast catchers, Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon slash Audible, all that good stuff. You can find us on Twitter at AMBXOver. You can find me on Twitter at ThatGenMonroe and on Substack at GenMonroe.Substack.com. Awesome. I'm Neantaster on Twitter and also YouTube.com slash C slash Neantaster and Twitch.tv slash Neantaster. Why did the music stop? You're in charge of that. Hold on. <laughs> this is like jump to the middle of a. I don't know. If you ever wondered what it sounds yes. like when we actually like are recording the podcast, it sounds a little something like this. Yes, exactly. Uh, yes, and also twitch.tv slash Neantaster. Uh, been streaming more Elden Ring and uh, making some uh, advancements, as you can hear. It sounds like Elden Ring battle music. Ha, ha, yeah. ha, 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 <laughs> uh, Anyway, that's it. Have a good night, and we will uh, catch you all on uh, Sunday on uh, Ambitious Crossover Attempt. Have a happy October. Go leaf peeping and uh, watch horror movies. Adios, everyone. Good night. Bye, everybody. Good night.